Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Optive Theology Podcast. My name is Andy Schmidt. I'm here with Herman Selderhaas. Did I get that right this yeah, time? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right, perfect. Very well, very well. Um, and, and you're a guest on uh, our second ever Great Theologians podcast. Our last one was on G.K. Chesterton, and this one is on Martin Luther. And we're lucky to have you on because you've written a book on Martin Luther called Martin Luther, a Spiritual oh, yeah. Biography. And um, so you're kind of the Martin Luther expert here, um, and I'm excited to do this. So before we get started, do you just kind of want to tell people who you are and what you do, um, where you're from? Okay, um, I'm from the Netherlands, mm-hmm. and um, I'm a professor of church history and church law, and also president of the Theological University in Apeldoorn in the Netherlands, mm-hmm. which is right in the middle. That is a, a reformed uh, university. We train pastors and church workers and all kinds of people that want to work with theology. Hmm. I have been a pastor for 10 years, and uh, I just celebrated my 25th anniversary as professor. Um, We live in a small medieval city, um, beautiful town. Um, My wife and uh, our children, and uh, well, I think that, that, that should do for now. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. That's, that's very cool. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, we'll just jump right into it. This is, this podcast is the second in our great theologian series, um, on Martin Luther and Martin Luther was an interesting figure, controversial to some. Um, and so we're just going to start from the beginning. Do you want to tell us about Martin Luther's early life, his childhood and kind of how he became a Catholic priest? Yes. Well, I don't know how long this lo- this podcast goes, but there's a lot to tell about that. <laughs> However first, long you want it. <laughs> let me first say, I, I forgot to mention something which does relate to our topic. Mm-hmm. I'm also president of REFORC, the Reformation Research Consortium. Oh. And, and we work on, on studies of Reformation, early modern Christianity, and also on the relevance of, of the Reformation for today. Okay. Um, and that's also my connection with, with Luther. And I think that's that, that it's important for the pod, podcast also that we do not just go into history. And hmm. I think that's also your, your goal. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Luther, um, he, he was he was born in a, in a mine area. His father had some mines, uh, which does not mean that he was rich. Sometimes they had money, sometimes they didn't. And... Um, he was brought up devout, but with a uh, kind of a fear for God, not the mm. biblical fear, but uh, just being afraid of God and especially mm. of Christ, because Christ was depicted to him as, as a judge. Mm-hmm. Now, his father wanted him to study law, um, thinking that Luther could take over the mind business. And uh, lawyers, uh, as you know, they uh, they have some uh, some knowledge about law, but also a lot of knowledge about money, <laughs> especially when they have to send in bills. <clears throat> so his father uh, thought uh, he should study law, and that's what he did. But after um, half a year, he found out this this is not my way to heaven, uh, <laughs> because he was brought up with the idea that you know you behave well, live as a Christian, uh, don't sin. Um, and uh, then you have a good chance of making it. That is, uh, there is the, the f- belief in purgatory. Um, so you will not stay too long in purgatory and you'll make it to heaven. And he, he, he said, you know, uh, nothing, no, n- nothing personal against lawyers. But he mm-hmm. says, if I become a lawyer, I'm a, I'm a long way from heaven. Um, mm-hmm. So I better enter the monastery. 
and that's what his decision. Hmm. Okay. Um, and from the from the thought um, that he was brought up with, that if you sin just a little and you do good works, your time in purgatory will will not be so long, and you have a chance of entering heaven. That was his hmm. motivation. Okay. Yep. So yeah, I mean that's that's so he's it's all kind of works based. Get to kind of work your way into heaven, basically, right? Yes. Well, that was he was brought up with, of course. Yeah. And I, I think that's important to say also. This is not the general picture of the of the Catholic Church at the time. Hmm. There was a stress on works, but there were also theologians that that stressed grace. Um, but hmm. you know, he just got in the in the wrong family, so to speak, and <laughs> yeah. got the wrong preacher, and uh, uh, he was. Brought up with the idea, if if you die, you you appear before Christ, and then He will decide um, whether you will go to heaven, go to hell, or to purgatory. Now, the mm. official doctrine was that no one would go to heaven mm. uh, unless the Church declares you for being a saint. Mm. So you have two options: purgatory or hell. Hell is uh, your loss forever. That, that's clear mm -hmm. from Scripture. But purgatory is the, the moment in between, the period in between, where you have to, um, how should I say, there you get the, the, the penance, the penalties, for all those sins that you did not confess. Mm -hmm. So the idea is, sins that you confess are forgiven. Mm -hmm. But... We people sin so much that we, we we can't remember all our sins. And that mm -hmm. adds up. And then at the end, uh, that, that, that total of not confessed sins decides on how long you stay in purgatory. Mm -hmm. And there he would want to get away from. And he thought okay. becoming a monk is, is, is the best way to not spend much time in purgatory. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so, so he go. Yeah. So he becomes a monk. And at what point did he start to question the doctrines of the Catholic Church? When did he start to say say to himself or just ask questions about you know what's going on here and what do I actually believe? Um, he started long before fifteen seventeen questioning that. Um, he did a lot of uh, teaching. So he, he was a, a monk and then he soon became professor because he was a rather smart guy. Yeah. And not that all professors are smart guys, but he was a smart guy and became a professor. Yeah. And um, then he, he gave lectures on the Psalms, hmm. the book of Psalms. And there okay. he encountered thoughts that were not really in accordance with what he was brought up with. Mm -hmm. So you, you see in his early lectures on the Psalms already, Doubts coming up about this whole idea of purgatory, of good works, mm -hmm. of uh, Christ just being the judge. And that slowly grows into a reading the Greek edition of the New Testament. Hmm. That was published 1516 by Erasmus, um, who would not be his friend at a later stage. Hmm. Um, but there he saw for the first time the Greek text, so the original New Testament, and there he found out that the the, the concept of, for example, conversion and faith was totally different in Scripture than what he was taught. And therefore, he started an academic discussion, uh, because that was the idea behind the 95 Thesis. Mm -hmm. um, they were published in Latin, 
and they were posted at the, the door, you know, the famous door that he, Luther did not do that himself. But he, he invited people to come for an academic discussion about is, is what we are being taught, is the doctrine of the church really in accordance with the scripture? That was his idea. Well, and how was the reaction to that? I mean, what, what, what in the academic world at the time, were people angry at him for asking the question or were they kind of like, all right, well, let's talk about this? Many thought we should talk about this. Um, mm -hmm. Also, many theologians that in the end did not uh, chose uh, sides with Luther. Mm -hmm. But they said, this is interesting enough. See, I think we, we, we should understand that in those days, the church had spoken only on a few issues. So like transubstantiation, mm. uh, there was not an overall confession. So there was an open space mm. in where you could discuss things. Mm. But there were also that said, well, he's a heretic. This is mm. wrong. You know, and that's mm. where the discussion started. Mm -hmm. um, and that had a lot of uh, aspects, not, not only the theological thing, but also here comes this German from a far out university, you know, really in the boondocks. And he stands up and says, the Pope is wrong. The Catholic Church um, may be wrong. So let's get rid of this guy. Hmm. So, well, and, and what like made up the 95 thesis? I mean, you don't have to tell us the entire thing. It's, it's long. But what were kind of some of the main points that he had that people were interested in talking about? Um, well, let me mention two key issues. Uh, first has to do with the doctrine and practice of penance. Hmm. Um, what Luther saw was that penance was seen as some kind of an action, something that you just do hmm. and that you could do um, by just paying money. Okay. So there was the whole financial system behind penance. Mm -hmm. He says the way the church presents penance has nothing to do with the penitential heart. Hmm. So the inner man in his relation with God stays out. If I can, hmm. if people tell me, you know, you pay 50 bucks and the, the sins of the last week are forgiven, then that is not a matter of the heart. That's a, a matter yeah. of money. So he said, we should go back to what scripture teaches us about penance. Mm -hmm. The other thing is his theology of the cross, which comes at the end of the 95 Thesis. Mm -hmm. um, he says, the church teaches a theology of glory. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I, I live a certain life and then I will get there sometime. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then Luther said, but I found out we, do not, we don't get there. Mm -hmm. We don't have a theology of glory. God gets to us in Jesus Christ. So the theology of the cross. Mm -hmm. uh, these are two key issues in, in the 95 Thesis. And so what was the thing that kind of pushed the Catholic Church over the, over the edge to excommunicate him from the church? Was it these ideas or just everything combined or all the chaos he was causing? Or what was the whole, why did he get excommunicated? Well, it was, it was a combination. Um, see, he was charged with being a heretic because he defended John Huss, uh, okay. the, the, the Czech uh, reformer that was burned at the stakes in, in Constance in 1415. Oh. Um, he questioned certain doctrines of the church, like I said, penance and also transubstantiation. Hmm. Um, 
And that was for the church too much. But there was another issue also that he um, he created a lot of followers, people that said that, mm-hmm. you know, this is a clear way you present us Jesus Christ as he is. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to go through saints, through images, through paying money. There's a mm-hmm. direct way to God. Um, and all that combined created, um, uh, pushed him in a position that the church said, you are a heretic. Hmm. So you have to move out. Mm-hmm. And then after that came that the emperor said, we have to kick you out of the empire also. So there was an ecclesiastical wow. ban and it was a political ban. <laughs> so he was causing all sorts of issues. They, they oh, had yes. to get him out of Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I know, I guess, where, what happened after that? What, what happened after he gets kicked out? I mean, where does he go and what does he do? Um, well, he just keeps on going because he's convinced that this is according to scripture and uh, he, he got a lot of support. Uh, so at the Diet of Worms, uh, <clears throat> 1521, um, where he appears before the emperor, Charles V, and the, mm. the emperor says, yeah, you, you better, you know, uh, back up and and take back your words. And he says, well, I, I, I can't, you know, mm-hmm. this is what scripture says. Then he is declared, uh, uh, how do you call that, uh, totally f- uh, free so everyone can can get him, can kill him. Oh. Um, uh, you, you, you have a nice American term for that. It's for, I, I, I can't think of it right yeah, now, not at the top of my head. In the Wild West, they, they had. Um, uh, Let me see if I can. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'll see if I can look it up. Yeah. Um, we, in, in Dutch, we say vogelfrei, which means free as a bird, but that's that's not a positive thing in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, and then friends of him, they arranged a kind of a kidnapping. So mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. created what we call now fake news. And <laughs> then they, they took him to this, this castle, the Wartburg. Yeah. Uh, and he hit there. And after a while, he could go back to Wittenberg and he was safe because um, his um, uh, his prince, so the, the, the prince of that area, protected him. So he mm-hmm. was in a kind of a large, uh, safe place. Mm-hmm. And at that time already, his message went over all of Europe. Mm-hmm. And he was just convinced that this is according to scripture. So mm-hmm. I just keep going. Mm-hmm. And from there on, um, there were for a couple of years some talks between those that were more oriented towards Lutheran Reformation and the, the Catholic Church, but that ended in a final split. Hmm. And that's where then Protestantism and Catholicism um, came into being, these two separate groups. But Luther said, I, I cannot um, reject what I, this is what I st- where I stand for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So there's, I mean, Luther ended up being very frustrated with the Jew with the Jews. Do you want to explain that whole story and how that happened and came to be? Yes. Well, th- that is a sad story. Mm-hmm. Um, let me start with Luther's conviction uh, that Christ would return during his lifetime. Hmm. Um, he he read in scripture that the um, the gospel would return. There would be a glorious time for the church, 
And he says the gospel has returned. We have the Bible again. We have the, the gospel of, of uh, grace, uh, grace alone. People are reading scriptures again. And he was convinced that the Pope and the, all Catholics would convert to his message, to the biblical message. And also that the Jews would recognize hmm. that um, Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Hmm. But both did not happen. He got kicked out of the church. And the talks with the Catholic Church ended up nowhere. Hmm. And that's where he started attacking the Pope and start saying the Pope is, is the Antichrist. And hmm. he, he used very, very bad language. Um, you, you, you don't want that in your podcast. <laughs> no. um, but also his deception, his, his um, disappointment about the Jews that did not massively convert to Christ. And out of this complete disappointment, he started attacking them and hmm. using language that we today call anti-Semitic. Hmm. Whereas hmm. in his early years, he wrote a, a booklet about that Jesus Christ was a real Jew. So hmm. he came up for the Jewishness of Christ. And in the end, his frustration, his deception, and I think also his loneliness, um, he, he was mad at everyone. Um, and he wrote very, very bad, not just nasty, but just awful things about the Jews. Hmm. And th this message was picked up later in later years, especially in Nazi Germany. Hmm. I said, well, this is our reformer. This is his message. So uh, uh, we have someone that helps us hmm. uh, in yeah. our anti-Semitism. Mm -hmm. yeah, but I think it came out of frustration and disappointment. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and you said he was lonely and angry at everybody what do you mean by that? I mean, was he just just didn't have many people that he loved around him, or or did he kind of just isolate himself from everybody, or what was what was the problem there? Well, um, I in my book I write about his last years as the years of a grumpy old man. <laughs> okay. And um, well, he reminds me of my father who retired from his work. He 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 worked uh, in a factory. Okay. And um, after, I think, two or three months, uh, he went back, you know, just to see how things were. And he got back home and he was completely mad because they didn't do the things the way he was used to do it. Uh, and he says, this company will go broke and things like that. And, um, mm -hmm. and, and my mother told him, just don't go there. You know, you are mm -hmm. gone. And if they change the policy, OK. Mm -hmm. And that, that happened to Luther also. Uh, many mm. saw around him that one way or the other, you have to talk with the Catholics. You have to mm. find a way to live together, although you do not agree on, on your religion. Mm. And, and Luther was so convinced um, about this is the only truth, and you may do that. But then he had no energy, no, yeah, how should I say, elastics yeah. to, to, to talk with others. And that... Mm pushed him in, in a lonely position. Mm. Well, okay. So obviously there's bad, I mean, the things, there's bad things and good things. I think that's one of the, the main points of talking about some of these theologians. I think sometimes we can, 
either make them out to be perfect or we can make them out to be the worst people ever, depending our, on our perspectives. And I think yeah. that it's a good way to look at these are human beings just like us and they do really terrible things. and They do really good things. And so what are some ways that Martin Luther has actually helped shape the way that Christians think and act today in a positive in more of a positive way? Yes. Well, first, um, I want to pick up what you said about Luther. It is, it is very easy to just give a negative image of Luther. If you can do no more than just quote his anti-papist and his anti-Jewish literature. Um, But then you do not do justice to the man. It is Mm -hmm. not that I say, well, it wasn't as bad as it was, but you have to see this is part of the picture. Mm -hmm. Um, He did a lot of things that have been important for those for the people then, but also for today. When I just look at the Christian message, um, that um, the the um, how the he takes the stress out of the Christian faith. Hmm. Um, if I pray, if I try to be wow. friendly, I do not do that in order to to collect points right. on my on my uh, for my mileage right. on my way to heaven. I do it, it kind of takes away the, the Christian scoreboard. Right. Yes. Yeah. So I do it out of thankfulness. Hmm. I don't have to climb up a Christian ladder uh, in order to reach God because God came down to us in Jesus Christ. Hmm. So hmm. it is a really stressless Christianity. Hmm. And um, I need to learn that every day, hmm. that I don't do the things because I want to get credits but I do it out of love for Jesus Christ and uh, out of uh, thankfulness towards God. Then I think very important is also his his doctrine on on Christian liberty, on the freedom of the Christian. Hmm. With the these this, this wonderful sentence where he says, "You know, I'm a free man and I'm uh, I'm no one's servant." Hmm. But he also says, "I'm completely bound and I'm everyone's servant." That means there is not an ethical handbook, but it's it's constantly in every situation that I ask now, what you know, kind of like what would Jesus do? I'm I'm free. Um if for example, we in the Netherlands, uh I, I can confess that we as as reformed people, we have a habit of drinking a glass of alcohol, uh like whiskey every Sunday after church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know many Christians in in the U.S. in North America that say, "Well, that you can't be Christian. You drink alcohol." You know. Mm. Now, if you would if, suppose you are a Christian that says, "I, I don't want to drink. I don't want to drink," and I invite mm. you to my home, then I am free to take a glass of whiskey or gin or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do not. I will not do that because it might offend you. Mm. So in that situation, I'm your servant. I think uh, that, that it, it is a very social way of being Christian. Hmm. Um, w- what he has taught about uh, prayer, for example, I think that is still relevant. It's not hmm. long prayers. It's 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 just when it comes out of the heart uh, mm-hmm. that is relevant. His his view on how we should live in society. Uh, this this idea of that we are citizens of to uh, societies. We are hmm. citizens in heaven and citizens here on earth. Hmm. So if I get stopped 
by a policeman for speeding, and that policeman is a member of our church, I cannot say to him, well, you cannot give me a ticket because you're my brother. You should forgive me. Luther says, no, that's a different area. Uh, mm -hmm. That is the political area. Um, now, uh, yeah, I, I, I could say more about this, a lot of things. Um, I think it, it is very essential that we keep reading Luther, mm -hmm. um, not that we take over everything that he said, but his, his dynamic view on Christianity, his clear view on the um, responsibilities of the church and of the state, his mm -hmm. view on education, his view on the responsibility of parents towards their children when it comes to education, when it comes to uh, mm -hmm. uh, teaching faith uh, is, is very essential. Um, mm -hmm. One of my daughters, she's a teacher in school, and her favorite remark um, in Luther is that Luther says, uh, teachers need to get a higher payment um, because mm -hmm. their work is so important, uh, teaching. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of teachers will love that, that phrase from Luther. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but it's not just the payment thing. It's the whole idea of education. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I think one thing that when I think about Martin Luther that is encouraging to me, and I think that can be encouraging to a lot of younger people who probably are a little bit more afraid of just standing up for what they believe is right. I think Martin Luther was he was he was going to go the the full way. I mean, he was going to say what he believed and at whatever cost that was, and he was willing to not back down. And I think that for myself, I'm like, you know, that's something to be admired. Like I want to be yes. more like that. Yeah. And, and I think that's important, you know, to stick up for what we believe in. Well, that moment that we just uh, talked about uh, when he stands before the emperor, mm -hmm. he, he knows that, you know, this is, this is a decisive moment because uh, they have a right to kill me mm -hmm. uh, if I get kicked out of the empire. Mm -hmm. But he says, I have to say this. I just stand for these words. Mm -hmm. And this, this devotion, this willingness to sacrifice, um, I, don't, I don't want to talk for others, but I can learn a lot from that for today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think my final question, what I ask on, on these is, what's your favorite quote from Martin Luther and why? My favorite quote is... Um, his last word. Hmm. Um, after his death, they found in the room where he passed away on the table a little piece of paper. And there he had written down, we are beggars. Hmm. This is true. Amen. Hmm. And this, this phrase, we are beggars, that is something that really strikes me. That we are always and we always will stay in the position that we can only hold up our hand for God, that he mm -hmm. gives us his grace, his strength, his comfort, his justice, his e eternal life. And we are beggars mm -hmm. and we remain beggars. There never comes a moment that we can say, well, now we have it in our hands and God, we don't need you anymore. Mm -hmm. So we are constantly in this situation of dependence but we know we hold out our hands toward a gracious God, not a God that we should be afraid of. So mm -hmm. it's just um, these three words that are my favorites. We are beggars. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that's a good, I guess, a good place to start wrapping. I mean, to, to wrap it up, because 
That's absolutely true. And I actually really love that. And it is crazy. I mean, you think about people like on their deathbed and their final words. I mean, Martin Luther wrote him down and he, and he put it there and it's just yeah. a, it's an interesting way to, to remember him. Um, and an interesting thing for, for us all to think about. Um, you are, you wrote a paper, you wrote an article for our website. Um, so people can go to our website and they'll be able to read that when this comes out. Um, and I guess, yeah, I mean, do you have any final things that you want to say about Martin Luther to kind oh, of wrap uh, this up? I just, I find it wonderful that you take the time to talk about Luther. Uh, there were a lot of events around the celebration of 500 years of Reformation in 2017. And uh, uh, it has gotten a little quiet after that. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you, you bring it back to life. Um He's a he's a fascinating uh, figure, and uh, yeah. I'm I'm happy that you ask the listeners to pay attention to that, and I hope many will read. You don't have to read my book, but just read Luther. There's a lot out there, beautiful materials, mm -hmm. and it's a real help for the situation of us as people today and as Christians today. So Absolutely. Thank you for that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, and if you're listening to this and you like it, make sure you like, subscribe, follow, share this with your friends, and go to OptiveNetwork.com to read our articles and read more about Martin Luther. Thanks so much again. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.